With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. I'm not going to sing this week, lads, because I'm trying to do all these controls. I can't sing and do control at the same time. We live! Hey! <laughs> Hello! Hello, everybody. It's great to see you all tonight of a Tuesday night uh, of an international weekend, an international break, uh, pointless existence, really. Um, in tonight, we're going to be doing four, four topics, four topics that the lads have picked, um, one sort of influenced by machinations that went on today, one that was relevant to what's going on at the moment, a nice early fairy one from Jamie, and then we've also got Gar's main topic, which he came up with um, on Friday, but unfortunately he'd forgotten it and then remembered it again on Monday morning. Um, but the first thing I want to ask tonight is, is, is uh, Jamie, you're from Scouseland, right? Okay, where are you going yeah. with this? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, How are I'm you, just Phil? Are you okay, mate? You're looking I'm, after I'm yourself. I'm all right, mate. It's, it's great to have <laughs> you on. back on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be it's, back. Go on. Great to, Why great do I have a feeling you? this will be my last one for a while? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if there's a way that I can get Jamie to leave in the middle of the podcast. That's really what <laughs> it is. But no, you're from Scouseland, right? And it's a common refrain that it's Scouse, not English, right? Now, I've noticed your tweets about England teams and stuff like that. And I'll let you away with it because you are probably just a bit homesick. So we won't go there. But, but today, I get, I'm, I'm a bit confused because it seemed that Manchester had a much more stronger independent streak than Liverpool had when it came to the restrictions that was going on. From your point of view and from listening to the lad and talking to your mates and all back home, is there a bit of a sense of disappointment in terms of the politicians and the representatives that are sitting there at the moment for Liverpool with the, in terms of representing them to the government as a whole when it comes to this um, coronavirus pandemic that's going on? You threw a curveball at me there, Phil. Um, Is there a question in there somewhere? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't think, to to be honest, I don't know if it's aimed so much at the politicians. I think it's just a frustration in general. Um, and, And I feel like the city is an easy target for a lot of politicians sometimes. Um, And this just looks like it's in keeping with a very consistent theme that Liverpool likes to be dumped on. Um, Mm. So whether it's a case of our politicians not doing enough, I'm not sure it's that, but it just feels like we've been shafted by the establishment again and a lot of hardworking good people are going to suffer as a result. 
Absolutely, I'm just I'm just surprised that that they seem that again. If you look at the Manchester response, it was a lot stronger in terms of of, of what they, they weren't prepared to just accept and were prepared to take a legal challenge against them if they were moved into tier three without the without the, st- the stats being handed over to them and, and the reasons behind it. And I think it's a fair challenge. I would have expected to see the same or the same sort of level of solidarity to go with this exact same thing as um, the Liverpool side. But obviously, um, the appetite isn't there at the moment, or they are recognizing the issues they have within the hospitals themselves. Anyway. It, uh, the reason I sort of threw that is to take us into our first topic tonight on the forum and join us as you might have seen you do, we do have Andy Young up the top there just in case he wants to throw somebody else off a, off a high place <laughs> um, beside him we have Gar Brain almost in his own new studio you notice Gar has a bit of memorabilia that's going up and there's um, pictures of uh, jerseys and stuff like that and um, Gar who's in the shorts behind you? in the shorts behind me? yeah there's no one in the shorts behind me what's that red picture then? Van Dijk and Henderson all right, well, you should have got bigger pictures. Nobody would be able to recognise them that far away. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we've got Jamie up in his home attic studio. That That's there at the moment. Um, we won't say what type, what's in your pictures behind you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll cover it. I'll cover it wherever it is. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you zoom in there, Andy? Can you? <laughs> we put Jamie in his own, maybe. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> <weird. laughs> what do you do, Jamie? I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to ring his missus. Anyway, <laughs> right, so <laughs> right, lads, leading on from the, the, the Liverpool coronavirus chat there, I want to take it into the international football, right? I have this. I, I tweeted, I think it was back in August, that we're heading into force to the first ridiculous international break that was like I think 10 seconds after they kicked off in the first matches of the season. Um, and I I I, I purpose I keep saying M, I need to cop that on. I purposely said at that stage they needed to bin off international football this year. And I'll go further. They need to bin off European football. And I'm talking Champions League and Europa League. It makes zero sense to me. And this is a topic I want to discuss. makes absolutely zero sense to me to have players leaving the countries that they're in, flying off all over the world to random stuff and coming back and being coroned, not coroned, false positives, negatives, negatives, positives. I, I personally think... Liverpool should have prevented any of their players traveling once they had the three cases in the in the camp. In the same way, Leipzig refused to let any of their play, uh, any of their players travel over this international break. And I do think there's a big issue for the league when these players are torn back because if you look at the state of some of the international setups, like Guinea, where Kate has gone and he's picked up coronavirus, right? It's not safe. It, it, this isn't safe. And I think there's a bigger piece that that needs to be asked around here about how safe is it for players just to have two weeks off and come back when they've been tested as corona positive. If you look at the likes of the American football, where they've done lots of research into, and, and you can correct the the on what this is, but it's hypermyocarditis or something like that, where it's the um, some form of enlargement of the heart, which happens after you've had a positive diagnosis, and it takes up to three three to four months for it to, to, to fall away, which is something that was prevented two of the big college leagues from going ahead initially at the start. Um, however. Andy, I'll start with you on this. Do you think there is a legitimate uh, reason to play any type of football outside of the domestic leagues this season? Uh, well, we could use it as a really good excuse to just bin off international football altogether. It doesn't seem like anyone enjoys it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be a serious reform. I mean, they're trying out different things with Nations Leagues and different silly setups to qualify for massive tournaments but it's just become it's just becoming more and more disruptive all the time 
And I know we're going to get on to it a bit later uh, with the project Big Picture, the shittest name ever. But um, they need to kind of be sensible about how they restructure how many games teams are playing. And at the moment, it's totally unnecessary for uh, teams to be travelling. I mean, I'm actually quite surprised that the Champions League is going ahead this year because people aren't supposed to be travelling around. They're, the football is trying to set send out the right messages of how they uh, conduct themselves on the pitch. Yeah, they're going away, they're traveling, which is which should be deemed unnecessary. I mean, I think, I, I think we every every football should should be just played at home um, this season. That's mm. that's just my personal view, and that's that's not really my bias against international football at all because I love the Champions League, and I think that I think that should be really binned off this year. Mm-hmm. But money talks and stakeholders talk. It's not really about what we think anymore. Yeah, if there, if there was another reason to dislike international football, this seems this seems to be. It. I think from my side, it just seems all very unnecessary. I think it seems like a, a risk that doesn't need to be taken. Um, well, I think when you look at it as well, you know, you, you've got confidence of clubs be, being able to stay within their bubbles. You know, when they're in and around each other, there's talk about you know the the, the bubbles and, and and staying within those. But then you know you've got people coming from all different uh, different leagues, you know, collectively coming together uh, in environments that clubs aren't able to to cro- control and monitor. And what it's going to do is it's ultimately going to bring players back that are infected. There's then ri- risk of them infecting other uh, club teammates. And I suppose, you know, opening that up to, to, to a wider thing is then do you run the risk? And I know, Andy, we kind of touched on this earlier on in the, in the WhatsApp group. If you think of the integrity of competitions, particularly around the Premier League, if uh, different teams are, uh, I suppose, hit harder by COVID and they have top players missing for certain games and they still have to, they're still able to field a team. So the game isn't going to be cancelled. You know, are you looking then at and questioning the integrity of the competition? Because ultimately, in big games of the season, teams are missing key players through thing through I suppose situations like this, which you know ultimately could have been avoided. Gar, if you look, I suppose we only take, have to take our own situation in uh, as of the the Irish game and and the whole setup and the way things went down with the two guys getting pulled out of the squad on the after the first well, sorry, just before the first game. And then this mad text went around that they were left off the team. She, uh, as an administrative error, no, it wasn't. It was because obviously tests had gone through the team, and now it's turned out that uh, coach and staff have, have tested positive, and five other players. So that just shows you, in a matter of days, how 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 an international side has been affected hugely. And you know, this these players have now to go back to club. Obviously, will will be in, in isolation or whatever. But a couple of tests have since come back as false positives or whatever way you want to really deal with these days. It's a it's a pure mess. And as mm-hmm. you say, it 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 should have been it should have been knocked on the head uh, with the numbers that that had increased in the UK and Ireland. It should have been just knocked on the head and just said no, uh, we'll, we'll play again or whatever. Yeah, I, I look I, for me. There's, there's there's two questions here, right? And and I purposely asked both international and European, right? I I seen I think it was Kev O'Sullivan said or somebody else said back there um, that money talks, and ultimately the Champions League generates too much money for them to yeah. to stop it, right? The same as the Europa League, and whether people like it or not, clubs get the likes of Spurs and Arsenal will take the money out of the Europa League, even if it means having to get to the quarters or semis is the same as only making yeah. it through the or, or playing in the group stages of the Champions League. However, and this is the big thing, Jamie mentioned bubbles. There is no bubbles. Like if you look at the Liverpool cases, they came 
while those players have been in bubbles, right? You look at the other cases that have gone around the league, and I think well, any league from Thiago though, Phil, is that not uh, we're thinking that it infiltrated into the camp and then everything sort of spiraled from him? No, no, because the 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 Shakiri one was a false positive, so he took a test and he was positive. Then it turned out he took a second yeah. test and he was negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Kate has gone off. And he's picked up somewhere, right? And they're saying, is this coming back to what it is? And Mane has it, right? I would say to you, though, Jamie, that there's as much chance of them picking it up, going to a local restaurant, going to a local shop, going out and just being out and about, or somebody in their household getting it. The only true bubble that's been implemented in sports so far has been the NBA, where they took all the players off, locked them up in a resort in, in Orlando. Didn't They weren't allowed to leave. Nobody's allowed into no their families nothing haven't been into them. So the Lakers and the Heat who played there at the weekend have been in a bubble for the best part of 14 weeks. They haven't seen their family and haven't left that resort in 14 weeks, right? Now that's a true bubble, and they've had no cases in there. Um and that's not going to happen in soccer. And soccer is in the same way the American football is now starting to see exactly the same issues because the teams are starting to pick up cases and it's starting to spread like wildfire through their squads. The issue we have is it's fine if it's one or two cases and it's kept isolated and, and the protocols work. Once that stops being one or two and six, seven, eight, nine, and I will say Manchester City, for all the abuse they get, they had six or seven potential cases and that were self-isolating. I think I don't think they put, turned out to be positive, but there were six or seven cases where it was believed they may have it and they had to stop because of close contacts. It's more than just the players getting it. It's their families getting it and bringing that back into their family circle because that's their bubbles. That's the bubbles we're talking about here. And all it takes is an Olympiacos. It just takes, say, Ajax in the game that we're playing, an explosion in Amsterdam, let's say, and somebody in the in their team picks up, five or six of them get it, suddenly five or six of them. And it's inevitable that games will have to be postponed or cancelled or walkovers will be given because you can't feel a team, as, as happened with Napoli and Juventus in Italy there a while back when Napoli weren't allowed travel. In the same way that Liverpool are in a tier three lockdown in terms of what the government are saying, in Italy, Napoli weren't allowed to travel by the local authorities because they were subject to the same rules and were told they wouldn't be allowed to travel to games until such time as the caseload came down within the city. So there is more than just football here that's going to govern whether these things go ahead. How do Liverpool ch- play a Champions League game if, point blank, people aren't allowed into, into, the, into the surrounds of, of Merseyside while this is going on? Do you think that there's a chance, Phil, then, because you're more well-read and passionate about this than most, judging by your, your, your Twitter timeline. Do you think that there's a chance? I mean, there's, there's talk of uh, there's talk of a circuit breaker, you know, in society, you know, everything going to lockdown, whether it's for a couple of weeks or whatever. Do you think that there's a chance of that within football in that the Premier League games are, are removed for a short period of time to try and, uh, I suppose, stem the flow? Again, the, you know, the, 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 there's... I, 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 the only thing that works here, Jamie, so these ideas of a circuit break at lockdown only work if you're in a country that can rigorously enforce it across the whole of society. So Israel basically just threatened to kill everyone if they left their houses for two weeks. Like, do you know what I mean? This is just, this is, but, but this is what we're talking about. In China, in China, they locked you into your house, sealed the door, and you weren't allowed to leave the house. If you wanted, if you wanted goods or anything like that, they were delivered by the army or the police, whoever it was, too. Right in Singapore, again, people were told stay in your. You're not allowed out. That's it. There's times you can do. That's not going to happen. And I hate to say this, and it's true about Ireland and it's true about England. You will not get that level of compliance yeah. happen in society. Look at London at the weekend where they're having huge protests in Trafalgar Square just about having yeah. to wear masks. We're not talking about and, and games of cricket and games of cricket when they came out the pub as well. Do you see that? The, the London Palladium was full, full, full of, full of people 
and people with masks off as well. What's the what's the context there? Were they tr- were they trialing something in the Palladium? Mm. No, I think the Tories just wanted to have a concert or something like that. So Boris um, Johnson wanted to go for a night. So it was no, constant. As you know, Phil, Phil, I've been giving out about the term lockdown from the very yeah. beginning because in the UK and Ireland, um, we haven't actually had lockdown. Even in Spain, where my brother lives, like if you were on the street. Uh, the police would say to you, "Get f- fucking home, or we'll, I'll, I'll shoot you." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's Spain, <laughs> but it seems like in the UK and Ireland we have these pretendy lockdowns. Um, and the only time you had a, an actual close to a lockdown was when you were supposed to only travel out for necessary journeys, like you know, to do your shopping, to look after the elderly, vulnerable, and uh, get medication. And that's mm-hmm. when we've seen it actually take effect, and there was a huge. Um, stop in the rise of cases for the last two months we've been in Ireland anyway uh, operating in this pretendy kind of thing where we're kind of socially distancing we're wearing masks and the cases are rocketing mm-hmm. because people are able to cheat you know there's so many people out there in their workplaces in the shops they're taking off masks they're putting them on their chain they're spitting all over the place and um, it's it's it all just looks for show. We're not compliant when it comes to these things. If we want to see it stopping, there has to be a real lockdown. And I don't think our economy or our people have the stomach for that. But that's, that's anyway, we're getting off topic. Um, but I think it goes back into the larger point in terms of if, if you have, depending on the regional um, powers that certain cities have or governments have, what stopped the Champions League the last time was that Roma were prevented from travelling to uh, Atletico Madrid, right? That, or Barcelona, which I can't remember what the game was, right? They were prevented from flying into Spain because the caseloads were so high. It had nothing to do with the safety of fans, players, or anything like that. Basically, one national authority said, you cannot come into this country because you're a risk to bring in this disease into where, where we've already got an explosion, right? We have the same, the same issue exists when it comes to international football. If you take our three Brazilian players, I think only two of them went off this time on an international break, they go to Brazil where they have Bolsonaro who literally doesn't care. He's another Trump, right? He's probably worse than Trump and he, does, he doesn't even believe it's a dangerous virus, right? And it's rampant in that country. And they fly into Brazil and then they come back to England. And as bad as England is in terms of the management of what's going on, the caseloads are still higher in Brazil there's a greater propensity for them to pick it up because the safety and the whole lot around our national association isn't going to be as strong as the clubs say in England. And this is why I do not believe in this at this moment in time that international football serves any purpose. Mm. European football will not serve any purpose either because all it will do, mm. there's a greater likelihood that the competition will be stopped early and prevented and then you get back to a rush situation as opposed to starting the competition in March and potentially saying, Right, lads, we're going to play like we did last year—a condensed form of the tournament. Yeah, mm. I know they have a problem with the Euro 2020 being played in June or whatever it is, but ultimately, UEFA have two cash cows, and the international football is not one of them. The Champions mm. League is the cash cow because that's the one that brings the, cof- the money in with the clubs and the whole lot. Football, well, international the football, major, yeah. the major tournaments must bring in billions. I don't know. They do for the for the associations, but not for the countries hosting them. But I, I will go back to Andy. This is there's not one major nation. This is being held all over Europe this year. If you think about yeah. the concept of this European, yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a null and void concept. If this if this virus is still with us and there's no treatment or vaccine come next May, and so ultimately we're playing a completely pointless set of games for a tournament that has that's very unlikely to go ahead unless there's a vaccine. Can I just answer that? A couple of them com- uh, comments coming up. Um, 
Barry Devaney said that Sweden had the right idea. They didn't lock down. And then Super Tigers replied, um, yeah, the Tories mentioned herd immunity and they were shot down. Look, your your strategy for dealing with COVID-19 has to suit your available medical resources. Mm. And if you have the capacity to have people coming to hospital in their hundreds and thousands, then fine, go with herd immunity, go with no masks, go with no social distance, go with whatever you want, because you have the capacity to deal with all the sick people and you have the capacity to continue on doing routine treatments, routine surgeries. In Ireland and the UK, as far as I'm aware, we don't. And that's why that's why you have to have these lockdowns. The, we, we know now we know the virus isn't lethal as such. It's not killing young people. It's killing old and vulnerable people. It's not lethal, but it, what it becomes to co- it causes havoc when it overwhelms your health service. So, no matter what approach you take, yeah, you, you have to protect your health service. That's that's the whole point. Of this people can't see co- talking about how just go let fuck it, let it you know protect the elderly, protect this, protect the other. But <clears> even <throat> even young people, even middle aged people have to go to hospital to be treated, and they they fuck up the whole health service. And they and they mean it means that other people that need cancer treatments, uh, heart treatments. Are, are starved of that so there i don't think there is a right answer you know Andy, I mean? can, can i just can i just knock the herd immunity thing because at the start i was thinking that the swedes have the right way and then i read into it more and, and deeper into it right everything we are living at the moment was what the swedes did on their so-called lax version of how they took it on right they they did they did shut down services they told people to take on personal responsibility to wear masks they stopped bars from allowing people to have food and drinks inside you could only get served when you're outside right they uh, they reduced social gatherings to 25 and 50 when it was going on these are all the things that are being implemented now so when people say we should follow the 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 swedish model Mm. this is what you have we have a, we have a form of the Swedish model in place where where people the Swedes took a personal accountability response and yes Kev made a good point as well they also have a, I think it's roughly eleven and a half ICU beds per hundred thousand right which is twice the capacity Ireland has so we're talking about a, a country that can manage a surge in ICU beds whereas a country like Ireland can't and England for that matter have something similar I think it's seven and a half or eight I think they're in around the lowest uh, quartile of ICU beds per hundred thousand in 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 Europe so when people talk about this this is what you have. You have the Swedish model. And unfortunately, when, when these health services get swamped, unlike Sweden, who has a, a, an incredible health service, there is no capacity. And you have to make the, these choices are being made because of the capacity in the health service. It's not about the lethal, how lethal the disease is for 97% of the population. It's about how you manage through the people that need acute hospitalization. And I, I'm not a fan of lockdowns. I've, I've said it from the outset. I believe people should have greater accountability and they should follow. If they follow... The guidelines, and I hate saying it, if you do the social distancing, you do your masking and you do your washing your hands and stuff like that, that will have a bigger impact. And I will say one thing, and I've been saying it all week, the posit- we need to hear positive messages as well. Some, an awful lot of the way our media is, is focused on main news stories is about fear and fear and fear yeah. and trepidation. The story about Dublin at this moment in time is quite a positive one, that our numbers in Dublin are going the right way. Right? I'm not saying we're there. We're not there by any way, shape or form. But the fact that we've actually managed to reduce the infection rate in Dublin under the tier three, which is in Ireland, which is probably roughly a tier two, will be the equivalent of the UK is, right? Um, Except in the Ireland camp, of course. Except in the Ireland camp, but they weren't in Dublin. They were in Slovakia, Andy. So that was, there's a whole different set of rules there. There's tier in in Slovakia. So that's what that is, right? But I will say one thing: if we, if that, if it starts to work, and hopefully the rest of the country pulls through as well, 
then it's it's a it's it should be a pat on the back for the plan that they put in place and following the plan. And I'm not one for patting politicians on the back in any party. I have no allegiances to any party. But I will say one thing. If we do manage to get this under control, it's a big pat back to the people of Dublin because I look around and there's a lot more compliance than there was, say, back in March and April when it comes to mask wearing and stuff and all that type of stuff. Phil, whatever party's manifesto says ban international football, that's who I'm going to vote for the next You're going to vote for that. <laughs> and, Andy, since, since you are a greed merchant, like I know the next topic is, is very important, right? And it is about... Um, did we say which way we're going? We're going with cars or yours? Did I say? Uh, uh, we're, going, we're going with the TV. Yeah, we're going with the TV stuff first. Yeah, let's go. Well, well, given that we've been given that given that we've been stuck watching this absolute dross of cabbage shy football, right? Which is international football. Like it's basically League One. You've got absolute bell ends. Like I don't know. Stonyhead, Maguire, and lads in the English team that are terrible. Look at the Irish team, and honestly, there's a Leinster senior league eleven that would definitely put a match up to them at this stage, right? Um, <laughs> Everyone is back in Stephen Kenny, but they all forget that he failed miserably in Scotland. But Gar, right? The, the, so while this is going on, the Premier League drop a little sort of bomb there, saying, "You want to watch the matches? The yeah, uh, the match they can't see. Uh, f- Fifteen quid ahead, right? So what's <laughs> well, what's Nicely your take? Going there, Phil. Nice segue there, mate. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a bit a, a bit of a risky move, Phil, isn't it? I know they've got a. I believe from listening to radio today, they've a, they a month to decide whether whether or not it'll still stand. I think I think a, a lot of people will go against it. Personally, can't see people paying fifteen quid a game, especially when uh, I think Andy told me the first one's Burnley. Um, no, the first one is us, I think. And then oh, the, it, another, another one announced was Burnley and Burnley. Okay, yeah. Well, well ain't many people paying fifteen quid to watch Burnley lads. Let's be one hundred percent honest there. Um, but it is it, it's 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 a scummy move. Let's be honest. Uh, the the way things are, I suppose, economically with people at the moment, uh, the fans that can't get into games at the moment, uh, clubs obviously changing their kit year in year out, and you know charging one hundred and forty quid for for jerseys. <laughs> Andy, um, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, let's in all honesty, let's fifteen quid a game. It's it, it's it's a type of larceny. Um, it's discuss- it's a disgusting move. Um, I do believe it will probably get down to a cheaper rate, as I think people will will probably t- take a stand against it. But uh, it shouldn't be done. But but again, as I said, Andy earlier, people people are gonna pay. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Coles has the lowest prices of the season, and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Yeah, I, I don't think they will, personally. I mean, if I, if I seen that news breaking, as in... I've seen it advertised fifteen pounds to watch Liverpool and Sheffield United. I I just wouldn't. I'd, I'd laugh and I just wouldn't pay. It's uh, it's the reaction to it that makes me laugh. Like there's people saying, "Have they any idea what's going on in, you know, around the world at the moment?" Like seriously, have you any idea what's going on around the world at the moment? If you're concerned about watching Premier League football, and the majority of my timeline, I've never seen anyone on my timeline that I follow anyway that says they missed the Liverpool game. Nobody admits to that. So I assume we're all watching mysteriously somehow <laughs> watching 
football <laughs> at every Liverpool game, every second of every somehow, right? So so don't worry about it. Don't pay it and it'll go away. Anyone who's stupid enough to pay fifteen pounds to watch one game deserves deserves that. You know what I mean? The rest of us will will find somewhere or another watching the football. Sky have fallen flat on their face so many times with their um with their new new thinking. You know, three D football. Um, they did pay per view football in the past before, and a whole host of things. They're they're I would imagine that TV broadcasters are fighting for their lives now uh, because they can't, they can't control what the IPD, IPTV providers are doing. These guys are locked down on secret service all over the globe and they're chasing their tail trying to find them and they're doing big, uh, massive IP blanket blocking, trying to get internet service providers on site. But then even the internet service providers are thinking, fuck you, we're getting 50 quid a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? So as long as the service providers aren't the same people that are selling your football, they're never going to nail that one down completely either. They might get them to play ball, you know, to be nice about it for a while. But it's the, fo- the idea of subscription football in the current way is dying. And Sky know it, BT know it, Sky especially. I mean, they've invested so much money. But across the world, we've seen proposals. We've seen very, very good Netflix ideas. Uh, and that's that's the future of football. They know it. Um, just don't pay the £15 don't worry about it get on with your life look around your community and see all the, the more important stuff and don't be worrying about what uh, Sky are doing just don't pay the fucking money don't worry about these things <laughs> honestly James how are you sir <laughs> what's your take on this paying for the football Um, I think it's for me, it's not a case of the paying for the football that bothers me. I think the 15 quid just seems ridiculous. Like, you know, some of the games that have been um, mooted as, as being on, I, th- I think 15 quid is, is way above what people would be willing to pay. I think five quid seems reasonable. I'd be happy to pay that. But I think what it's done is it started a debate. And I think the debate will move us into an area, like Andy touched on there. I think there is definitely something where we should be looking to move to some type of Netflix model where you're paying a monthly subscription for all of your club's games or, you know, you have different tiers. Um, you know, yeah. you pay your £10 a month or whatever. You, you look at different countries across the globe, the access that they have to Premier League football in similar models to that is fantastic. We should not be living in a day and age now where you haven't got access to all games on TV without having to log on to dodgy websites and, and uh, you know, have dodgy streams. You should be able to access all Premier League games. So I think what it will do, it will open up the conversations around some type of subscription model. And I'd be more than happy to pay 15, 20 quid a month for all Premier League games, um, you know, across, uh, across the season. And you get to pick and choose which games you watch. The most important thing for me is, I'm not paying money for Martin Tyler to be commentator. If I'm paying 15 quid for the game, lads, I want to be able to change the commentator because I'm not listening to him. No chance. Can I can I go the opposite way? I it's think not for- like you, that, mate. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why they chose 15 quid, right? It's going to be the highest price point that they know they'll get substantial audience buy-in without um, that, that makes it profitable enough to do it right and like everything i remember when um playstation now was launched and it was 20 quid a month to to get that and when ea access was launched it was 10 quid a month to get that right within a certain amount of time if people don't buy these things the prices reduce because they want to sell it right the idea here is for them to they're they're trying to cover the revenue streams they can't get 
from the lack of fans being in the crowds. So this is an attempt to waylay some of those losses that they're experiencing because they've no ticket sales. So they've started at 15 quid. Now, I have to say, if everyone is on board and, and they don't believe that £15 is a fair price to pay, and remember, and it's £10 to watch a Scottish Premier League match, £10 to watch a Scottish Premier League match. <laughs> That's a charity thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know. but, but at the same time, the amount of times that Liverpool aren't going to be on one of the main games that's on. So one of the broadcasted games, the Friday night game on BT, the Monday night game on Sky, the Saturday afternoon game on whatever it is, and the Sunday game on Sky, isn't going to be that many times because they're going to appear in one of the in one of the feeds of the matches that goes on because of who they are and where they are and the thing. So as Liverpool fans, we're going to have less issue in terms of having to pay the 15 quid for those matches. Fortunately, living here in America, we're able to see every single game at, at every kickoff time. So there's no issues. And going back to Andy's point... <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a lot of people are jumping that are jumping in to moan about these are the exact same people that uh, you're right Andy will be will be doing almost a timeline moan of what's happening in the match on a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday which isn't being broadcast anywhere mm. so they're not going to pay the 15 quid as it is then uh, most of them are Sky customers let's face it and most most of them are, the are going to be the same people who have given out stink about the price of jerseys I won't buy a jersey off the off the club website. They'll go to DH Gate and buy a Ike one instead, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most of these people who are going to moan will moan no matter what, right? So whether you think it's the right thing or the wrong thing or the in between thing, I think ultimately the Premier League once the the current set of rights goes out, they re, they have to be looking at the NFL model. They have to be looking at the NBA model. Yeah, they have to be looking at these models where they've created the NFL pass where anyone in the world can buy the NFL pass on a weekly basis, say for 10 quid or 15 quid or whatever it is, right? Um, and you can watch whatever match you want to watch that day. And you can also put on Red Zone, which has all the highlights of all the big games that are going on. And you can Phil, pick whatever game you want. Phil, Ra- Rajiv Kumar makes a point, or, you know, about the man who owns Sky, okay? People need to manage their expectations if they think that Sky TV are going to do anything morally correct. The Bears. What? Just Dave Lennon. Dave Lennon is just <laughs> shouting at me, go Bears. He's right though. Go Bears, four and one, get in. Go on. Yeah, I know. Look, if you're if you're fuming over what, what Sky are trying to do, f- forget about it. I mean, I think we're all part of this machine, the money we're pumping into it. It's it's our money, really, that's allowing football teams to get 150 million a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy money like that. I mean, we're all part of it. You need to you need to t- uh Talk with your with your actions, as opposed to giving out on Twitter. Giving out on Twitter is not going to do anything. Just stop paying it. Just mm. stop paying it. And force these big corporations into making changes. Fuck it. Just stop giving out about it. <laughs> I just, I just, again, it's it's like the jersey. If you don't, if you think it's not good value, and you don't think there's a value threshold to be had there, don't pay pay for it. And yeah. don't moan about it. Right? It's, it's it's by by not paying for it, you'll drive them to lower the price anyway. If, if the, is the issue though, Phil, is it not the, the amount of times that people are having to pay out to watch football matches? So whether it's BT, it's Sky, uh, you had Amazon who, who signed a deal last year to show ga- games over the festive period. Surely the solution here isn't having three, four, five different providers. Like you said, for the NFL, you just get all your games for your monthly subscription and then you monopolize the market and you can just roll that out across the globe and get a hell of a lot more money. 
Can, but if you make, can I just make a point on that? Actually, right. So with with Sky, you, you might be interested if you pay your sub. You might be interested in watching football, golf, tennis, F one, all of that. Right. What happens if we start playing paying subscription services to watch all our football, and then we need to pay another subscription service to watch all our golf, our tennis, our F one, you name it. We all watch different things, movies. I mean, before you know it, you're paying over two hundred quid a month on your internet, your Amazon account, your Prime. You know. Feel the shaking your head. Why? I mean, if you want to, if you if you're paying twenty quid a month to watch all your football and you want to watch all your golf as well, you're paying another twenty on top of that. We're fucked either way. <laughs> uh, it's much much better value here in the states, honestly. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But as <laughs> Brandy, this this is the whole thing. People, uh, as much as they complain about that, how many people are genuinely paying all that money out for all the various different subscriptions? I would argue that the majority of people have one subscription to something. Yeah. And, okay. and use, and, <laughs> and use alter- alternative means to obtain the packages from other subscriptions elsewhere. And I'm not encouraging that behavior, but I'm just saying <laughs> that's the, the likelihood is that that's what's happening because you're not going to spend 50 quid on a Sky subscription and then another 25 quid on a BT subscription and then another 12 quid on a Netflix subscription and then 10 quid on a Disney Plus. And then I do that. All of the stuff that you just said there, I've got, yeah, no, genuinely not taking the piss. I've I've actually got a subscription for every single thing that you've just said there. And if you you didn't, your attic would be twice the size it is. (laughs) (laughs) With more pictures. pictures. I wouldn't be buying cans of mojito from Lidl, put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) No problem paying for subscription services when when they, you know, they're selling. When they deliver. Netflix is quality value. Spotify is quality value. Yeah, you know Spotify what I mean. Great value. Yeah, yeah. Disney Plus, if you have oh. Disney, uh, if you have a family quality. Can I can I just say though on that, Andy, and because it'll take us nicely into your topic, right? People have to realise that the less money that goes to the club that you support, the less they're going to be able to compete in the transfer window. The less they're going to be able to do various different things, right? So, like the jerseys. If you don't buy the jerseys because of the new deal that's signed, then they're not going to have the same amount of money that they expected to have coming in. And then the price clear- down anyway, so yeah. So it's all, it's all, it's like this power in this instance actually sits in the hands of people. And if there's genuinely a disgust for what's going on, we have the likes of SOS. We have the likes. They should let's organize the fan base and just say no. Blanket, no, but I don't believe you'll be able to do that across. But it should be because this isn't an international thing. This is purely an English and Irish thing. This should be easily to organize and say, we're not paying it. As a fan base, we're not paying it. That's the end of it. And they will bring the price down very quickly. So Mm. let's get organized and let's go and attack them. Now, on that, Andy, I know you wanted, and it sort of leads nicely in because it will will be greed. It will be everything that's going on. It will be clubs just want to ride the fans left, right and centre. So, Andy, project big picture. I like this because when I'm thinking of a name for a project, you're always thinking of cunning names and smart names, but the lads came together and thought, (laughs) (laughs) we need a bigger picture here to what we need to do. So what what would we call this project? Big picture. That's it. (laughs) That's it. You have it in a nutshell. It's straight off season one of the apprentice isn't it <laughs> you know you, you got to think outside the box here lads. yeah i have business speak <laughs> big picture <laughs> let's go 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the deeply rooted dinosaur kind of mentality. It, it never never goes away. Um, it's interesting, though, when you read into it. I don't know whether any many people bothered to read the article in the Telegraph, I think it was, yesterday. But um, Rick Parry, it sounds like it's kind of damage limitation. And let's see what the EFL can get out of and the FA can get out of the inevitable. Big clubs are going to be playing in the European Super League eventually, or some form of it. In the next five years, there's going to be more European games. Not if we cancel team, European football. Yeah. And there's going to be uh, teams moving away, and their interests are going to be heavily weighted where the money is, and that's in Europe. So what Rick Perry suggested, I suppose, <laughs> if you look at the big picture, is... um. It's is probably something that needs to be done, and whether you disagree with it or agree with it, but I'll go through some of the highlights of it. Um, so obviously the teams it get the amount of teams in the league gets reduced to eighteen. Two teams go down automatically with the sixteenth uh, team in the league joining the playoffs in the championship. There'll be no community shield. There'll be no league cup for teams playing in Europe. So that's going to result in obviously less domestic games, which means the bigger scope for the extended Champions League. Domestic TV revenue be more evenly spread in exchange for teams to be able to make more money in Europe. Um, a later Premier League start allow more mini spinning tour, mini uh, money spinning tours to Asia and America. Um, top teams, yeah, this is the big thing. Like the top teams basically become um, power holders. The power holders. Uh, it's no longer a democracy. Currently, it's a twenty-team democracy. And all of a sudden, with this, it, there'll be a hierarchy. The longer you're in the Premier League, the more say you have. If you're a top six team and you've been in the Premier League since the beginning, you you call all the shots. So all the teams coming up, brand new owners into the league, they're all going to be shafted, which means they kind of get their way eventually to a European Super League. And uh, just in terms of money, the restructure means the EFL get $250 million a year and then the FA get a once-off payoff of $100 million, uh, to just navigate themselves through the rest of this COVID. Um, oh yeah, and the other thing is that the restructuring allows teams to loan out 15 players and um, meaning they work closer with lower league teams which which isn't really the case. It means they get the money ball more players. They bring in loads of players, loan them out and then they increase their value and flog them off to so the lower cool. leagues. So that's kind of the highlights of it. Um, that's, that's essentially where we're going. There's the only thing that could change there is through negotiations, the top six or the top nine or the longer serving teams in the league don't get all that control. I mean, it would be scandalous to take away any kind of democracy. That that's where the objection seems to be, though. And having you know read the reaction online, it's it's the power that those sides are getting. I think that the good thing about it is, again, it, it's kind of similar to you know when we're talking about. Um, the, the pay-per-view games it's opening a conversation and I think when you're having a negotiation at the start of it you, you you throw some big numbers out and see where they land and you usually end up in the middle I think there's a lot of stuff within this which actually is quite good I think removing the League Cup is a, is, is a positive um, I think when you look at the fixture congestion particularly for the top sides you know you know we're expecting we're wheeling lads out to play 50-60 games a season and expecting them to maintain performance levels yeah. it's just it's just ridiculous you, you, these lads aren't robots I know they're highly paid but they're ultimately not robots and performance levels will dip and in the age of social media 
people don't seem to allow for people to have off days now. You've got to be at it, you know. Well, look at the levels that Liverpool and City have set. You literally have got to be at it, you know, most weeks. I think there's other things in it that, that are interesting. The longer that COVID goes on, the AFL clubs are going to get more and more desperate. So they're going to agree to this come, you know, um, however it's kind of put to them because they're going to get a big handout. I think it's 250 million there or thereabouts. I think what it is, however you look at it and however they've tried to spin it, it's an opportunistic power grab by the by the big teams. Um, and like you said, and I think you're dead right, this is putting us on the path to a European Super League in some way, shape or form. I think, and don't quote me, I think the next European deal is around 2024. Um, you know, so this is this is leading to, to that. And what it's ultimately going to do is free up, free up more space for your more European games, more money generated for those top sides, um, at the expense of them also having more power. So um it it's there's something about it that makes me feel uncomfortable at the moment, given the, the power it will give certain teams. But I do think at the same time there is some some merit to some of the points being put forward. Mm. Gar. This proposed, I believe, by FSG back in 2017, if I've read rightly today, and then seemingly, it's amazing though, the journalists have only linked Liverpool and United with it for uh, an atom of red over the last couple of days and gone to yourself, this is a bit harsh because you can guarantee the City boys are behind it and every other powerful club are behind it, but wanting to start to break away a bit. Um, to be realistic, lads, the the lower sides need the money. We've seen too many go to the wall. We've seen too many uh, AFL sides run badly. Um, the 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 fitting proper or the fitting no proper uh, purpose tests from the FA or whoever is doing them, the the FL have been so bad it's unbelievable because you've seen Charlton recently uh, on, on the new ownership and run by head cases. So uh, all of this needs to be put in line. If if, if it is going to happen and, and lower league clubs are going to get this type of money that it's put in line and, and it's done the right way so clubs aren't going to the wall like we've seen recently with, with the likes of... Uh, it was barely recently enough, wasn't it? So, listen, there is there is some good things from it, but as, as the lads have touched on there, there is Ready. a lot. You know, you'd be quite sceptical about. I, look, I'm... You know, I'll read out a few comments and then I'll give you an idea of, of, of where my head is on this one, right? But as Chris Brack says, the big gripe in the press is giving more power to the big six, but the good idea is distribute money better and reducing fixtures. Fixture congestion is a big issue, especially with Champions League expanding, which, Jamie, that goes back to your point, 2024 will be the expanded Champions League. Um, having a look down, um, Mohamed Jogi says, these suits and Jogi, if I incorrectly pronounced your name <laughs> I absolutely do not apologise I don't know it's not a real name so we won't take much I know advice. it's like it's the internet nothing's real um, yeah. these suits are going to ruin football eventually too much nonsense and money it's football good point and Dicko that must be Ray Dicko's brother <laughs> he's locked up in his bedroom now because uh, of level 3 um, wild how clubs like Berry went out of business yeah clubs like Tottenham who had a government loan getting rebates Kev O'Sullivan says, eventually the top six will tell you away for the fuck off. I want to come back to that point in a second. Um, <laughs> Midnight Toker, everyone thinks they're fucking Mystic Meg. That's a fair point. That's That is. Especially, <laughs> especially, especially Jamie, who was saying, don't quote me on something that's going to happen in four years. Jamie, uh, I don't think it's three weeks' time. I've been called <laughs> a lot worse than Mystic Meg. I'll take that. <laughs> um, David Moyes says, this will stabilise the cash flows for the top clubs. And provide a short-term liquidity injection to the lesser sides, but will destroy smaller clubs from rising from above the glass ceiling. And we and get nice called nice Mystic David. Mo- <laughs> nice of David Moyes to call back in. Is Arsene in with us again tonight as well? Moyes, yeah, Arsene. 
<laughs> so, look, I, I'm again being uh, the biggest Tory in the room. I, I like, I, I think this <laughs> oh, makes sense. God. Jesus, Phil. <laughs> Oh my God! I think th- I genuinely think this makes sense. If, if you step back, from, we're Liverpool fans, right? And I'm being on. I'm being honest here. The only way you prevent a European league is letting the top teams have control of the domestic league. And, and I'm talking about in terms of revenue streams, etc. Around it, right? The idea mm-hmm. that oh, it'd be unfair on the smaller teams coming up. Okay, lads, what smaller teams have come up in the last twenty five years? that weren't subject to a huge cash injection by some foreign owners. Chelsea wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for Abramovich's money. City wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for the Sheik's money coming in at at Manchester. You'd literally have at this moment in time, United, Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. That's what it's been for the best part of 50-odd years. Like this is what we're talking. We're not talking about anything that's, that's revelationary here, right? Even when it comes to Everton, they've had to go and get this fella... Pikachu or something from from Pokemon to come in and take over the club and, and put money in, and he's put like seven hundred million into the club. He didn't bother. He told him about an underwater stadium and then just put all the money into the players instead, right? But like the idea of a glass ceiling is already there. Clubs can't. The clubs aren't breaking into the top six. We look at Leicester; they've had two huge runs in ten years. One wins the league in a, in a freak year, and last year they don't break top four. When they should have, when they should have top four wrapped up from February going on, so the idea that this an expanded Champions League is UEFA's only hope of reining in the clubs from creating their own European Premier League, where the domestic trophy becomes a secondary and ancillary part. And if the, and if the domestic FAs tell them to leave, the clubs will go fine. We're off, but we we are the viewership. There's a reason why they're the top six. They are the viewership, and they are the viewer, and they will retain the viewership. And when we were talking about pay per views earlier on, it all boils back to it. Who in God's green earth will want to watch Burnley against Aston Villa? About seven people. About seven people outside the people that are in the ground, right? Who, Sheffield United against, I don't know. I, I don't even know half the teams in the league. It's like looking at an old Division 3. Like, just, there is no attraction <laughs> outside of these big names. And that's what the global attraction of the Premier League is. At this moment in time, six teams can realistically expect to go into the season and challenge for the league. We know that generally it's only two to three teams realistically challenge for the league, but six teams have envisioned the idea that they can go and win the league. That's not happening anywhere else in Europe. So by doing this, you probably do changes in reality, nothing with the exception of those teams coming up and those teams in the in the, in the the lower leagues having a better chance of getting in and being one of those teams outside the top six in the league. And when it comes to being an off-league cup, I, I, look... I'm a fan of the League Cup. Not hate the FA Cup. It's a disgusting competition. Should be set fire to never play it again. But like, if if, if it I means mean, classic Phil, there he drops these absolute bombs and then just like scurries off onto another conversation. to see that? <laughs> <laughs> but it is, genuinely, I I I thoroughly believe that in reality we're talking about solidifying the status quo, and all this will do will allow the teams in the top six to challenge at the very top of Europe because with PSG and other clubs, other other leagues allowing third party ownership, foreign party ownership in, there's a greater challenge to them not being able to com- compete at the European level than it is at the domestic yeah. level. Sorry, Jamie, do you want to jump you, in there? No, I was going to say, do you think there's an element, because in football we like to, you know, the romantic side of football, you know, that you go into a season and everyone's got a chance to, to to go and win the league and get into Europe. Do you think that people are objecting now because they're finally realising that that 
romantic element doesn't exist in that we are now pretty much admitting that the league is ran by the top you know the top six six to nine teams or whatever you want to call it and as a result of that the rest of the teams are dare I say a little bit irrelevant look this goes back and it's actually a point that John has just made there if Liverpool United binned off the Premier League tomorrow if, if the top six binned off the Premier League tomorrow there wouldn't be a billion pounds going for yeah. the TV yeah. rights yeah They'd be lucky to get 300 million for those TV rights. They'd get better probably than the Dutch league, um, but it'd be on a par with the French league because it'd be just something that people would put on. But all the money would go in whatever league that that top six created. If that top six created, turned around and said, well, actually, we're going to create a league. We're going to call it the British league. And in that British league, we're going to have, say, we're, we're going to say, we're going to take Celtic and Rangers because we know that they have a huge, massive following in Scotland and they have a traditional following in Ireland as well that goes on. So we know that they would bring in people to watch this and, and they will pay to watch this. We will take the top six and then we'll take, say, we turn around and say, well, actually, Cardiff, you could have a massive, massive following if you wanted in, in terms of a Welsh side and did something like that. And even taunted Ireland and said to, well, look, you've been crying out for a Premier League club for a year. We're going to put a franchise into Dublin and create this British league, which then feeds into the European Champions League as opposed to domestic leagues. Now, I know this is completely off the, off the wall in terms of what it is, but they would immediately have a billion pound TV rights deal from Sky or BT or an Amazon or a Google or somebody like that on the table. And the Premier League will be scurrying because they wouldn't have the same attraction that's there. All this is doing is actually solidifying the whole football triangle. And I think yeah. was it was it Rory Smith or maybe David Kahn was was at pains to point out today that this proposal is going to be accepted by the vast majority of clubs through the English League, which will mean that this proposal is going to be passed. So the only people that's going to kick up a fuss is the goals at West Ham, the money fuckers and the rest of the clubs around in, in reality that think they should be in the top four but won't um, and that's all this is going to be so what we're looking at is 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 essentially what what's going to happen so I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself for real the deals are so good I got my kids summer tees for $5.99 a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99 and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Did you say, Andy, it's based on the teams that have been in the league the longest? Yeah. yeah so the, and who do you know who it is currently, then? Who, who would those teams be? Do we know? I think I think there's no at the moment there's only nine teams that have been in the league since the start. Since it started, okay. Yeah. And obviously your top six are six of those. Well, except no, they aren't, because Manchester City aren't. City aren't, either. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> but City will City will, will accept it because they know that based on the qualifiers within the space of two or three years that they will be one of the key owners of this league essentially well, look I said it before when we thought on the other topic we don't control football anymore like the, the the people with the money control the football so it's going to go whatever direction I mean even you know the whole year dash show I don't think there's even the FIFA generation would support the idea of moving away from an English league mm-hmm. I know Phil you're, you're an exception to nearly every rule but <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone really support this, but it's just going to happen anyway. You know what would you rather watch, lads? Just out of curiosity, come here. I want to see. I want to see Liverpool play Forest in the league again. 
Yeah. Like, I, I want to see a European Super League. If I could turn on the weekend and watch Liverpool half play the, half the, half the Liverpool games in Ajax, half the games in half the, the games in the Champions League are shy anyway. And when they make more teams and when there's eight teams in the group and all, it's gonna be even worse. You'd be yeah. traveling to uh, you're going to be playing the shit in Turkey. And, Andy, you know, if, if, if it was a European Super League where you have, here's your 15 teams and it's the 15 best teams in Europe and then you have a second division in the, in the European Super League and you have the next best 15 and there's no more of this eight men, eight team groups and stuff like that and it's a proper Europe. Like, it would be just amazing. Imagine watching like you, you play Barcelona twice. You play Madrid twice. Imagine going for a league where Barcelona, Madrid, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Roma, AC Milan, um, Ajax are the top six in England. Imagine that was the league. Imagine that's what you watched on a weekly basis. Like Your cup competitions become the ones that play. Yeah, but you know what? You'd get bar- it would get boring after a time. I, I just like don't the, think- the beauty of playing Barcelona and Real Madrid is because every five years you played them. Yeah. I'll accept it's Napoli and we played them every year. Twice. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just love going to those European games because they feel special. It wouldn't feel special, you know. The, the, the times, you know, you'd play Barcelona once every five or six years, and you, you know, you'd be swapping scarves on the ground and all of that. I mean, that's the romance of football for me. It, you start playing them every week. What happens then? I mean, where, where are you going to get your your ones offs? When you play the League Cup in the in, in the English League, you send yeah. in your send in the, the reserves. But isn't isn't this going to also allow, facilitate greater loan moves into the lower leagues as well? This is one the, the whole paybacks is that they're, they're going to be able to loan up more players into the lower leagues. And they get some money. I mean it's 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 being pitched, it's being pitched very sneaky. You know, they've no problem giving up a few quid because they know like they're a share of the smaller pot. For a share of the big pot, that's that's essentially what's happening. And that's and look at lads, football is money, and you can like it, lump it, whatever. There's no such thing as romance in football. It's all about money. Fan, oh, the only no. people that have romance in football. See, this is this is where this is where I strongly disagree. Klopp, Klopp has brought back romance in football. Has yeah. Winning well, has brought back. Do, do a quick poll. And actually, <laughs> Jamie has, has Klopp brought back romance in football for you. One hundred percent, mate. Gar. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a it's a long time. It's a long time since we've watched. Yeah, I mean, yesterday or a few days ago, when the official account were putting out the hundred tweets all about Klopp's five years. I mean, you've got fucking tears running down your face looking at this shit, and it's amazing. Mate, I was sat at the kitchen table the other day. I think I sent the the, the YouTube video into the WhatsApp group. It was the the top. Top 10 moments defining Klopp or something. It was 15 minutes long. I sat at the kitchen table and the kids came out of the sitting room and I was crying at the kitchen table. They're like, Dad, what's up? And I was yeah. just watching this video with Klopp, mate. And I couldn't stop myself crying. He is He's a special man. And if you feel, even you with a swinging brick as a heart, mate, there must have been moments <laughs> where, you know, you must have looked at it and went, okay, he's melting the icy exterior here. Come on. The Champions League hugs. What a video. You could make a how, how cinematic was it? You could make a movie of it. Klopp just going around giving people hugs after winning. The way he's picking up the opposition, you know, you want to know what the the words he's saying um, to the to them sports players. You want to know what he's saying to all our our own players. 
What I about his letters to the young lad today, mate? If you yeah, don't cry or get yeah. misty eyed at that lad, you've got no heart. Then again, yeah. you no, know, I yeah. cry at DIY SOS, so I can't really say yeah. much to be fair. But <laughs> yeah, uh, and then look, and then the the night we officially won the league, and around the hotel, and Klopp is on the TV, and um, and he's crying. I mean, don't tell me there's no romance in football. Like he's he's reminded the us fans, Liverpool fans, of what it's all about to be to be a supporter. He's he's able to align the objectives of these big multi-billionaire uh, hedge funds and corporations to to fan grassroots fan football as well. You know what I mean? He's trying to entertain us with the football and he's trying to pull on a heartstring, not trying to pull on a heartstrings, but he pulls on a heartstrings because that's what he is. He's his character is the charisma about him. He just he just makes you fall in love with football again. And I mean Kids growing up, how could they not support Liverpool looking at that? No, on, Phil, this is. <laughs> I, just, I just don't buy into it. I know, I, I know, like everyone is going to be, you know, in, in the comments. Uh, I know, I'm looking at the comments. Everyone's you like football video, again, though, now, Phil? No, you do it. like football again now. Yeah, but Jamie, and it takes me nicely into your topic, right? Because, you know, your, your query is do you prefer enjoyable football over winning and for me like, I don't give a shit about hugs I don't care about <laughs> letters to fans I don't care about how fans feel I don't care about anything except winning all I care about is that we win right if 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 we had a pointy head standing at the top of the t- at the top of the pitch and we horsed the ball to his head and his head scored 100 goals and we won the league right might be attractive but we would celebrate that with as much vigor as we have with Klopp's team Right, so ultimately, the best times and the most enjoyable times—I'll end up contradicting myself here—but it's just is winning trophies, and they're the ones that things that people always remember. And winning leagues, and winning Champions Leagues above all else, can never ever be touched in terms of what what goes on. When I think back to the eighties and the the nineteen ninety. You think the football was incredible and gorgeous and amazing, and oh, we go, and it's like, wow, look at the brilliantness that's there. Wow, amazing, right? Go back and watch the games. There's lots of just back passing to the keeper, picking up and rolling out and pack pass to the keeper. There wasn't flowing football, there wasn't anything like that, right? The reason why Klopp looks amazing, the reason why he's doing all this type of stuff, and, and it, it is in his nature, and I, and I love that about him when because he, he's doing the same thing at Dortmund. You look at the Dortmund fans, they absolutely adore him. And I've absolutely no issue what he does because the fans in the main love that stuff, right? They buy into it. I'm looking at you, Andy. You're like a little kid at Christmas. Whenever Klopp does something, if he wiped his arse thrice and then held it up, probably be a picture of Bob Paisley or something like that. He'd be, <laughs> he'd be putting that video out all over the place, right? So, like I'm saying, I'm saying to you, there's at this moment in time, he is the embodiment of what we've always wanted for a Liverpool manager since 1990, right? We've heard about the Rafa stuff and everything, but it doesn't even come close because he gets what we like, which is fast flowing attacking football that wins matches and wins trophies. And what he does on top of that is just remind us what it's great, what was what was great to be Liverpool fans back in the 80s when we just dominated football, right? That's that's literally what it is. But when it comes to romance, I just don't buy into it. I love it because we're winning. As soon as we start losing, it's not going to be fun anymore. Honestly. Yeah, so enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, ab- absolutely. But when it comes down to Jamie's choice of quality over winning, I'll take winning every day of the week. I was happy to see us ride out Scotty 1-0 last year because that's the growth in the team. Jamie, yeah, that's, you- yeah, that, that's, that's you. I think there's if you look at fans in general now, 
you know, if you look at Ireland, for example, at the moment, they're going through a bit of a transitional period. They're trying to play out from the back. They Look, they played some better football, probably what they were used to against Martin O'Neill. Martin O'Neill and his side were slammed in the press and by fans, but ultimately he got them to major tournaments. So the question is, is it about succeeding? Because for Ireland to get to major tournaments, that is success. No, it's unrealistic to think that they're going to go and compete for the, for the tournaments. Getting there is an achievement. Whereas if you look at, let's say Liverpool is a more re- recent example. Some of the football that was served up under Gerard Houllier, he won us trophies. You're a big fan of Gerard, as I know, Phil. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, successful, won us trophies. Some of the football wasn't great. If you look at Brendan Rodgers, a lot of fans would say that that was a lot of the most fun that they've had as a Liverpool fan watching that team, but ultimately we came away with no trophies. Klopp has obviously been able to get the perfect marriage. So, you know, we are incredibly lucky to have him as a manager. We get to enjoy the football. He he, he pulls on the heartstrings and we're the best team in the world. But if you look at other clubs, do you think it's enough nowadays to just win football matches? Or do you think that fans expect performances as well as winning football, which which comes out on top, it's balance, isn't it? It's it's a but balance. Is it, is it realistic for is it realistic for some teams to get that balance? I just don't. I just don't think. I don't think it's possible for some teams to win games beautifully. You have to have you yeah. have to have financial backing, and um, you have to have the right manager, the right players there when the manager comes in to get that going because managers don't last very long. So. As a Liverpool fan, first and foremost, yeah, you want trophies, right? I, I admit that. I mean, I take winning the league every year and play shit football. Of course, you would. If you're hand on the heart, if you're honest with yourself, you want to win trophies. But eventually, you get bored and you want a bit of you want a bit of good football as well. So I think it's about first kind of sustainable thing. I think it's about finding a balance. You don't want to see your team embarrass themselves defensively. And you want to see them attack as well. So, I mean, over the years, I think West Ham, kind of a journey team. They've always prided themselves on playing uh, nice football. Yeah. But then some of the better seasons they've had is when they've had Allardyce and they've played shift football. So ask their fans. But I think if you're up around the top, you know, Liverpool, City, teams like Spurs, United, Chelsea, there's no excuse to play shit football. You, you know, you shouldn't be sacrificing anything over trying to entertain your fans. So I think it, the big teams can can afford that balance. But uh, any team that comes up into the league who tries to play decent football, like Norwich, they go back down. Well, can, I, can I just make a point? And I think Slackline Egypt was, was where I wanted to go with this. And I think, Jamie, it's more interesting sort of nuance to your question. I don't believe it's possible to win with shit football. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking of examples. <laughs> I'm trying to think of examples. Jose did it at Man United, no? You he didn't mm. win. He didn't win the league. He didn't won win trophies. trophies. He won trophies though. Ah. Now, and like Andy said, it, it's building blocks, no? It's because it, you can't you can't just come and win the clean sweep. First of all, that. it's trophies. It's trophies first, then that gives you the platform to go on and play the, the track. So that, but that, that, that isn't what Klopp did, is well, it? Well, I think play, yeah, Phil, I kind of agree, I kind of get your point there. If you play shit football all season, you're gonna pick up a lot of draws. Yeah. And you can't win leagues with draws. Yeah. Like to so me, it's a cup, so it's a, it's a cup strategy because you can you can definitely yeah, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Julia is a classic example. Failed in Champions League, failed in the league, right? But won 
Lee Cups, yeah, UEFA Cups, and 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 FA Cups. Right, I, I I truly believe that it's you are very unlikely to win major trophies playing a ship round of football. It has to have it has to have a tactical nuance that makes it attractive to watch. Yeah, get that's me? a good point. Yeah. So when everyone is there having a go at me saying that I have no emotions and I'm emotionless and that, that there's something wrong with me about the romance of football, it's, I just don't believe it's possible to play, to win leagues with chief football. Even when the years that Simeone, or the year that Simeone won the league in, in Spain against the Real Madrid and the Barcelona team, if you looked at it, it wasn't the classic Simeone that we're used to, which is just sit and, and deep. He had a team that had lots of really good attack and fair players on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and a really good back four and a really good midfield and and, yeah. and, and, and his front and, players were in bad order. And if you look at the Milans over the years or the Juve's, yeah. Liverpool now, yes, you need to have each component that 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 is right. And we're yeah. lucky, obviously, we're going through that transition where we're looking at, a, a, you know, a back four that's good, a midfield that, that does everything that it needs to do and a front three that is absolutely out of this world. And if you go back through history, and I know yeah. you've talked on, on, you know, the, the boring sides, the cup sides. And we did it for years under Julia in cups as well. Let's not forget. Um, and, and Rafa at times in, in the Champions League, um, you, you've touched on a feeling and you're right that the best always have, you know, the best, the, the back four sorted, the midfield mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the front. It's always a joy to watch. And, and I agree with you on that one. Very rarely in modern football is a winning team Sorry, is is a team that looks to out tactic the other team, the team that wins the league, purely because, as Andy says, it leads to draws. If you think of Rafa, Rafa's greatest problem was he he overanalyzed what he wanted to do and set out a stall to make sure he couldn't be beaten and then to go and win. Uh, the game. Champions League syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think he overthinks it. It's it's way too tactical. If he just went and attacked it like he does a Wolves or a Leeds or something like that, then he'd have a much better chance of winning the Champions League because he's he'd stop thinking about it and just start thinking about how to win. Just Kevin O'Sullivan's comment there, Leicester were got off the watch. Yeah, um, Leicester won the league on, on a very, very low points accumulation. That was the year Arsenal should have won the league under Wenger. And yeah, away. absolutely. So it kind of goes to show on, on you know, your, your normal league, you won't really win by playing shit football. Now, I have to say, I would take Ireland playing Leicester football. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, it... It did, they did excite me sometimes when the ball did get pumped forward and Vardy ran in a goal. I mean, it was 90 miles an hour football and the effort was incredible that year. I mean, I have to I have to say... Um, I think there was one game away to City that stood out and it was just like, it was the, the speed at which they broke. You know, yeah. City had all of the ball and then it was just yeah. the ultimate sucker punch. Just one, yeah. two, three, bump, goal. I it was. It, I thought it was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're watching a, fo- a game and, and the opposition are, are kicking lumps out of the... No, I know they weren't really kicking lumps out, but when you see them, when they see them putting in so much effort, it is a it is a joy to be all too. It doesn't have to be fancy patterns on the pitch or attacking the whole game. But I mean, most of us, you know, enjoy variations in the type of football. And I think I think the league probably needed that, that season where Leicester won as well. Yeah, but look, again, look, listen, I, I come back to it. The way uh, I, I still truly believe that to play, to win a league and to win Champions Leagues, you have to play good quality football. <clears throat> that, and that's the, that's the, that was the question, Jamie, put. Do you, would you take winning over good quality? I don't think you can, ha- you can have one without the other. You could win a cup, and I'm not interested in that. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think you've made me think of it from a different perspective. I think if you're going to win the league consistently over the course of a season, you have to be confident enough to impose your style of play on the opposition. And even when things go wrong, as they invariably would over the course of a season, the team mm. still trusts the process. You're not adjusting your setup to try and um, uh, to try and strangle the opposition or stop them playing. It's about trusting the process, no matter what happens, becoming problem solvers rather than trying to stop the other team. So you make a fair point, Phil. I will give you that. Thanks, buddy. There's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm not just trying to wind people up, but I am. I'm very disappointed that the Cornwall Caravan Park didn't turn up tonight, Andy. I was hoping to. I wanted to see comments from the lads. Yeah, and, and, and ours and Wenger bottled it tonight. In fairness, uh, to Moisey, he's he's flying the flag for all the heroes in the comments. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I hope that that Arsene Wenger is real and isn't just one of my borners. That's all I'm saying. Um, the, anyway, the what? Where? Where? Where are we going to? Do we have anything else to talk? Jamie, give us a plug there for your old podcast. Oh, the Boot Room Podcast. Thank you very much, Phil. Very kind of you. Uh, yeah, we're on on tomorrow night. I don't know if you've seen it on uh, social media today. I got into a bit of back and forth with a Daily Mail uh, reporter, which was uh, was was quite interesting. So that's going to be uh, my first topic for tomorrow's podcast, uh, which will be out sometime early Wednesday morning. What was the? What was just give us a kind of an idea the, the back and forth. So, so I basically said he made a comment basically about Jack Grealish and tried to dismiss Jack Grealish's ability. Now, I'm a huge Jack Grealish fan. I think he's genuinely a, a superb player, kind of the opposite to what English coaches have tried to build over the years. Technically good footballer who looks to create. Um, so I kind of tweeted out, um, uh, basically this reporter had turned around and said, um, you can't really classify Jack Grealish's performance um, as impressive because it was against Wales B team. So I basically tweeted something else about uh, imagine watching that game and coming out with with that viewpoint basically. And then the guy replied, Mike Keegan, his name was from the Daily Mail. He gets a little bit uh, temperamental when it comes to fan media. He's got a history of that in the past. He turned around. It was quite a good put down, to be fair. He said, imagine running a podcast with less than a thousand followers. So it's like, <laughs> got me there. It was a good one. It was a good one. So anyway, yeah, we had a lot of back and forth. And I'm pleased to say that Mike has now resulted in us getting an extra 400 followers. So we're now at 1,259. So thanks for that, Mike. Without being rising to our biting, you're doing our podcast as a hobby. You know, yeah. his profession is journalism and he's working for the Daily yeah. Mail. So, if you know, when Gordon Ramsay goes working for McDonald's, you know what I mean? That's that's your equivalent yeah. to these shitheads. So, it was a strange one. It backfired yeah. on him. It definitely backfired on him. The comments, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll send you the link in a bit. It made some, uh, for some interesting reading. Yeah. I sort of agree with him, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I not surprised, Phil? <laughs> Gar, <laughs> what do you want to plug? Uh, I don't know if you know, lads. Of we've uh, home farm, we've de- been doing a, a, a sponsored cycle, a static cycle for breast cancer Ireland. Uh, it was supposed to be three hundred k over the last, uh, sorry, three thousand k over the last two Saturdays. Uh, so we've now put it up to ten thousand k because we surpassed the three uh, three thousand uh, this Saturday gone. Uh, so we're, we're doing really well. It's for ca- uh, breast cancer research Ireland and um, raising a lot of money, obviously for a charity that sort of touches, I suppose, everyone in life. So uh, everyone's got involved, Phil, from under twelves teams to parents to people on committees. So everyone's jumping on the bikes and and doing their bit as well. And some of the the Dublin GAA crew and friends, some 
were, were doing a bit for us down uh, Moby Road the weekend as well and getting sponsorship off people who are having coffees or coffees around there. So really good stuff going on, I suppose, and harder times and getting people out on a, a Saturday afternoon when, when there's not really much else on at the moment. So, uh, yeah, that's where they're doing at the moment, lads. So and if you see the link going around to where you have anything to spare, just uh, throw it over. We'd much appreciate it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, everyone out there, listen, you'll see the link on Gareth's thing. Go off and uh, give him money, basically. If you're not, like, instead of giving 15 quid to watch some shit on Sky, give the 15 <laughs> quid to Gareth instead. Right, uh, it's it's gone to a much better better cause than what it is, um. And if you've got thirty quid, give fifteen to Jamie as well, so we can buy some more followers on the on the on the group. <laughs> so we keep us back. You'll have two thousand. I need them, mate. I need them. <laughs> give, give, give give it a follow as well. Give it a follow. if you're if, if you're listening, if you're one of the seven listeners, give them a follow. I'm sure exactly. you're back already. Um, and if you plug, no, just uh, Gav's doing wonderful shows for the rest of the week. So listen up. That's what? 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 all the shows <laughs> obviously <laughs> the transfer committee show and or whatever there's the transfer agenda committee yeah midweek fix all on uh, and now Friday night there's uh, there's going to be the preview of the everything game and that that, that promise to be a good one yeah the Friday foresight or whatever it's yeah. called What's yeah. to be fair to Gav there is no harder working man in showbiz that guy puts in some some there shit there is yeah. Um, and so look to everyone watching out there and listening tonight thanks for all your comments I know we've gone through a few um, I know that you, I'm definitely the most favourite host in this because he's uh... <laughs> <laughs> and the good news is I'll be back at loud so I'm, I'm not going anywhere I haven't gone anywhere since 2013 um, it's yeah it's, um, the he- it's the heel approach it's worked for you for long enough yeah, I am Vince McMahon. Um, uh, I'd love to be Jim McMahon. Dave then follows to lead Chicago to the bowl, maybe if it's the cotton bowl. Um, right, so look, the biggest, 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 biggest thing I want everyone who's listening and tuning in tonight and will look at it tomorrow and listen tomorrow when we get out there is wear your fucking masks, sanitize your fucking hands. <laughs> <laughs> and don't be getting pissed, right? Because when you get pissed, all you want to do is hug and tell and shout at people. And it's like this. If if you want to come on and shout, we'll give you a spot on the podcast. You come on and shout if you want, right? You can shout on your own in a room, and that's absolutely fine. But genuinely, wear your masks, sanitize your hands, and be good. Because the longer you take the piss, the longer this shit goes on, right? The longer you can't get into the ground, the longer you can't go to Benidorm and get like two euro <laughs> bottles of something. Is Benidorm over that way? <laughs> <laughs> it is not over that way. Honestly, honestly, the only way we get out of this is by doing it together. So let's if you want us if you want to get back into Anfield soon, let's pull together. No matter what the governments do, if we just stop infecting each other, they'll eventually have to give in and let us back out and to play again. Okay. <laughs> now, that's been the podcast. I don't have as hairy hands as uh, Richard Keyes, according to Ada there. Um, I'll try growing. I'll get some hand wigs next week. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for choosing in. Thanks for liking and watching. Choosing in. Choosing yeah, in next cho- week. Choosing in. This is a bit cheaper than Sky's pay-per-view. And it's more fun. Good night and God bless. Always free. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. 
No one should settle when it comes to taking care of their health and wellness. And with EverlyWell, you don't have to. EverlyWell makes lab testing easy with over 30 at-home lab tests from food sensitivity and vitamin D to heart health and more. All with simple sample at-home collection, free shipping, and physician-reviewed results sent to your device in just days. Learn more at everlywell.com and demand better for your body. That's everlywell.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.